Hey y'all, welcome back to But Not All at Once, the podcast for people who are absolutely puzzled when they see a celebrity child like an Apple Martin or Shiloh Jolie Pitt pop up on Instagram or paparazzi photographs looking beautiful and far too grown up when in fact in your mind, they're still in diapers on the cover of People magazine. Now you're telling me you're looking at colleges and driving motor vehicles? I'm, I'm confused. I just got used to your names. They seem pretty normal in my mind, actually, compared to the newest generation of celebrity monikers. So, look, Shiloh, if we could just re-swaddle you, step back in time, you and Surrey Cruz can just go have a little play date in the park again, where you can talk about how names like Saint, Chicago, North, Song, Culture, Dream, and other nouns I can't think of at the moment are going to be absolutely bananas one day. In my mind, in other words, it is still 2006. To those of you living in the present, welcome. I'm glad you're here. I'm Ann Smith, and today we're diving into dreaming big, taking leaps, knowing when to jump from benefits to starting your own gig, creativity, thriftiness, gender roles, household responsibilities, when and what to outsource, how to bundle your time so you can be more productive, and whether or not 90s fashion is really worth reliving today. You'll find all of this and more in my discussion with Lara Cox, who launched Lara Cox Collection, took a brave leap from the world of advertising and human resources into the unknown and figured it out as she went along. Lars sharing a lot of her insight and advice here. It's going to be valid for you whether you're an entrepreneur, someone who's interested in the creative process, a mom trying to shake off some guilt about whether she stays home or works, someone trying to make their finances less of an issue in their marriage, or just a person who thinks that shopping from the convenience of Instagram is one of the best things to have come out of social media in the last few years. The holidays are just around the corner, whether the temperatures let us believe that or not. So take a listen, be inspired, and you can find me at But Not All at Once to let me know what you think. I'm here with Laura Cox, and I'm so excited to talk to you because I think the kind of questions that you got when you put it out to the people who follow you were really different than just the chit chat that I had in mind because I'm just kind of a chit chat kind of a girl. Just like, let's just freewheel it and see where it goes. So I think we have the opportunity to find a balance between just shooting the breeze and also giving people a real insight into somebody who's taken a big leap, started something new, had a couple kids, boxed up a lot of things until her hands were cut open with packing tape scars. I mean, we have a lot to learn. But before we get into that, I would love for you to tell people who you are, what your family looks like, and what you would call your day slash also night slash also weekend job. So my name is Laura Cox. I own a company called Laura Cox Collection, and I have a husband named T and two little boys named Thompson, who is three, and Will, who is one. My business is basically a jewelry and accessories retail business. So it's all e-commerce. I sell everything through my website, have a presence on Instagram as well, and run it out of my home as I stay at home with my boys. There's a lot to be done with two small boys, whether you're making jewelry, selling jewelry, packing jewelry up to give to people from every state and in the nation or not. So no one would look sideways at you for saying one-year-old and a three-year-old and a husband are more than a handful. Yeah. And we have a 110-pound dog. So, (laughs) By the way, it's probably larger than you. 
What kind of a dog is this? He's an Airedale Terrier. Okay. He was supposed to be about 60 pounds. His parents were around that size. So we were thinking we were getting like a mid-sized lab-ish dog. And Jokes on you. He's massive. You've got an overachiever. Yeah. So quite. if he doesn't want to go to the vet, I mean, no, too I mean, bad for you. Yeah. Yeah. He can easily, like, totally drag me down the road. If he Has tried. he figured out that he's 110 pounds or does he think he's a teacup chihuahua? A little bit of both. Mm. He can overpower me for sure, but if we put a baby gate, if I'll prop a baby gate in front of the door, he will not pass. This so, barrier is really going to keep me yeah, in the kitchen. Exactly. Good job, Mom. Exactly. He could actually just tear down the wall if he really wanted to, but um, yeah, so it's crazy times in our house, and my boys are not the kind of boys who just sit on the there ground. There are not many toys of around boys. them. Yeah, there's really not. Um, they're the, you know, crazy, wild into everything, climbing, jumping, whatever kind of boys. So every day is a challenge, wrangling them and getting business done at the same time. I mean, first of all, we should give everyone the background that you grew up one of three girls and you are now in what sounds like the most masculine environment. (laughs) Like you couldn't even get a female dog? I know. I know. I made my husband promise that our next animal will be female because it's probably going to be a lady goldfish it's got to be i mean i don't even care what it is as long as it is female i'm very outnumbered in our household right now so you decided to veer into a creative venture that is as filled with estrogen as one can imagine dear gentlemen do they fall head first into earring backs and wires and beads and all of the things yes i actually made a joke earlier this week that thompson knows more about accessories than Probably any other three-year-old in the world. Um, See, like, I love this tortoise shell. Oh, it yeah. He'll come up to me and be like, Mama, I love your new earrings. And, yeah, it's it's so funny that he he's just grown up knowing nothing but this world. And right. so he's like... And he it's totally all unfolded it. in his home. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, too, because so many of those things are tremendous choking hazards. <laughs> and we spend our lives cutting up grapes and hot dogs and monitoring every meal, but... You know, I have a child who I think would not a not a gentleman child who would have taken a couple of handfuls of earring bags and just been like, "Should this go in my ear? Yeah. Let me let me see where this will fit." Yeah, Can I, I try my nose. I try to keep it as separate as I can, gated off by baby gates. But I'm also embarrassed to admit the amount of beads I've fished hooked out of a toddler's mouth. Um, so thankfully, my youngest is not. The kind of kid who wants to put everything in his mouth. Thompson was, so that was a major challenge. But now we're kind of over that hump with him. You should knock on something. We, yeah, I'm doing it right <laughs> now. Um, Will is not as bad at this point about sticking things in his mouth. And we also just kind of keep him contained yes. also. <laughs> so, he and the dog. Yeah. The difference is that the dog respects the boundaries and <laughs> a toddler is less likely to. Well, boundaries, that's a really apt metaphor because I think one of the questions you probably get the most And as someone who works from home, too, is something that even nine years into this business, I have yet to master, which is how you draw boundaries between I'm Laura, the mom, and now I'm Laura Cox Collection, Laura, and now I'm, you know, occasionally I like to sleep sometimes if I'm able. How do you do you schedule your days? Do you schedule your weeks? Do you ever say, this is a 24-hour period in the middle of the work week where I'm not going to touch it at all, but I'm going to be here in my home. Because when it's around you all the time, I mean, it's it's one thing if you're on a trip, but how do you do it when you're looking at a box of things that needs to be unpacked and shipped off? 
I think the biggest change, and this is something that's come pretty recently, is just really focusing on time blocking. Really having that work-life balance is something that is always challenging for me, but And it's challenging even when you're in an office, for sure, but when you never leave your office because it's also your home. Exactly, yeah. It's really hard to turn it on and turn it off as needed. Um, But thankfully, with the school year starting, both boys are in school. Thompson's in school for five days a week. Will is in school for three days a week. And so I've really tried to be more strict about my time blocking. I try to not work after the hours of two once I pick them up from school until they go to bed at seven. So, I mean, that really is only five hours that I'm technically like off from work. And And let's be real. You're not off. You're just in a different job. (laughs) There's plenty of supervision and hands being used to do something productive, just not income producing. (laughs) Correct. And I mean, I'll still, if there's like a DM that comes in, I might take a 30 second break just to respond to it quickly. I remember you said at one point, I'll either respond to you immediately or like in six days. Yes. And that's kind of how okay. my brain works too. And so the mo- the more that I can handle as needs come in, the better it, it is. lightens the load, the yes. mental load. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but I really try to take that time off from two to five or two to seven every day do fun things with the kids, get them out, take them to the zoo, take them to the playground, that kind of stuff. So I feel like they're having great quality time with me. I'm feeling like we're doing things out of the house and not just stuck inside of our house with them in front of the TV. There is plenty of time yeah, when they're let's, in front of the let's television. Let's be honest, it still happens. I mean, oh, and we yes. have just, we are just venturing, teetering, veering out of the longest summer known to man which has really reduced anyone in South Carolina's ability to have fun outdoors anywhere. I mean, it's just been impossible. The zoo is a ghost town. The playgrounds are a hot dumpster plastic slide fire. So yes, we we do what we can. But you try, it sounds, to kind of get most of your productive hours in while they are otherwise occupied. And then what do your evenings look like? So typically, um, my husband gets home around, you know, normal, like normally 6.30-ish, 6 or 6.30. So we try to put the kids to bed and then sit down and actually have a dinner with the two of us, either chatting about our day or catching up on a a TV show that we watch together or something like that. And then ideally, we would spend some quality time together. um, And that happens sometimes. And then sometimes if I have like a hard day, then he's going to help me package up orders. Which is still, um, by the way, when you're a parent, some quality time. Like if you're sitting and having an uninterrupted conversation, even if your hands are packing necklaces, that's kind of a treat. Like welcome, welcome to your thirties. Totally agree. And a lot of times we try to like make the best of it. We'll pour a glass of wine or a beer, play some music and just kind of chat about our day. And it's great to have, it makes it really lightens the load having him help me and unpaid um, help is a tremendous benefit. Yeah, for you sure. uh, you made vows to me and you didn't realize when you did that <laughs> they included uh, labor for which you would not be compensated besides my undying love. But congratulations, here you are. And he has also learned a lot about jewelry that I don't think he ever realized he would. I like a few weeks ago I asked him to go grab the bangles from my office and he went in there was there for like 30 seconds and then came back out and he was like what are bangles <laughs> let me be more specific yeah so i was like 
the round bracelets they're hanging up on the wall. So he's learning, you know, little by little. Just taking an interest is pretty huge, though, because I think many of us, I married someone who's my total opposite in every way. And thank heavens for that, because it would be a nightmare to be married to someone who was like me. But it's really adorable, and it means even more to me when he takes an interest or has an opinion in what I'm doing, because I know that's not his native tongue. So does T ever see an Instagram ad for some other product and say, huh, have you thought about tropical palm leaves for summer? Or have you thought about, you know, such and such for Christmas? He does not have as many suggestions, or maybe he does, and I just don't listen to them for like (laughs) specific... We'll ask him at a future time. (laughs) For specific items, but he does have a great understanding of businesses and product management. He was a product, product manager for a company that he previously worked for, so he's really good with like managing inventory. He's a great person with Excel. And so there are a lot of of great compliment to a creative soul. Yes. So there are a lot of great things that he brings to the business and really coming in with like a totally unjaded perspective. I feel like I, a lot of times get bogged down in the trends and what people are buying more of and what, what's the Pantone color of the year and all that kind of stuff. And he is viewing it from such more of like a business perspective. And so it's a really great balance that we have. And he's given me... He's got a higher level view probably of Mm -hmm. where you might be a little bit more in the weeds because you're watching every order, every DM, every question on Instagram. Tell me about some of the things you have had to learn to do being a one-woman shop. So for instance, what comes to mind immediately is photography. Every woman who grew up, you know, I would say after 1990, there are more pictures from me once I learned to drive than there were before. I mean, there, you know, it used to be like a roll of film would last your parents, I don't know, six months. This is a wild guess. My mom could have a trunk somewhere (laughs) every day of my life documented. But as we've gotten older, technology has changed and we've gone from just taking what the Walgreens photo lab hands us to Digital, remember digital cameras? We called them smushy face pictures before they were selfies because we would turn the camera around and shove our faces together to try to fit it in and then turn it back around to see the screen. And now it's a whole new world of selfies aren't even it. I mean, you're looking at lighting and perfecting flaws and understanding photo composition and what works on Instagram versus what really shows off your product angles. How, I mean... I'm getting palpitations <laughs> just imagining that role. And I know that that's something that you do a lot of. How do you learn those skills? Did you just dive right in? I've never had any like formal training with photography, but, and I think it's been a lot of trial and error. When I go back and look at my first photos, I'm like, wow, why did anyone ever buy that? That's do you bless hard. your own heart? <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. But I feel like I'm always trying new things. I mean, YouTube is my best friend. I feel like I'm always just looking at how other people are doing, mm-hmm. you know, different things with product Because the experts are out there offering this content on mm-hmm. YouTube, on every platform you can imagine. So I'm sure there's a lot to learn. It's when do you find the, when you find the time when technically the jewelry is your business, but you need X, Y, and Z to move the jewelry. Yeah. Yeah. That, it's definitely a challenge. And But I, I feel like, I mean, that's... The photos are what, with my business, with an, I guess with really any e-commerce business, the photos are what, are what is selling your product. Someone might only see one picture of an item and they have to decide, 
with that one image, am I going to spend anywhere from 28 to $75 on this item? And so I have to put a lot of work into the photos. And so I've, I've just kind of gotten a little system that I like now. And five years down the road, I might look at these photos and think, wow, those are garbage. Um, but who knows? I mean, listen, point, future Laura, you're doing the best you can be kind. Exactly. It's a mix of like a DSLR camera that is like a baseline camera, nothing fancy. Um, uh, an Amazon light box and a kitchen that has like the most amazing white natural light that I could have ever imagined. Fantastic. So that was total luck. Um, but thankfully my house has some really good natural lighting that I can take advantage of. And, and that's kind of how, how I take pictures now. And I do a lot. I try to do some pictures of me modeling things. I have a girl that helps me once a week and sometimes she'll come over and model for me. Cause people do like to see how things look on. Um, uh, other than that, I mean, it's really just like a mix of a decent camera, the Lightroom app and that's pretty, and some good lighting. Curiosity and trial and error. Yeah. And YouTube. <laughs> I mean, I think really anything in life comes down to trial and error and YouTube. You can, are, do you need to replace a light inside your headlight? You should YouTube that thing. Is your garbage disposal broken? Get, give it a try. Someone on YouTube knows how to do it. He's probably 17. They're all 17 and way smarter than you. But they uh, deigned to make you a video. So here we are learning new things left, right, and center. Exactly. And funny enough, the way my business started was actually a result of a YouTube video. So I loved the tassel necklace trend. This was mm. probably back in like, I don't know, maybe 2012-ish. Oh, I remember. I have several yeah. Lara Cox tassel necklaces. And they were selling at local boutiques for... 75 plus dollars. I was in my first job post-college and not just barely making ends meet and didn't have the budget to make anything or to buy anything like that. So I went to YouTube and figured out like a system on how to make a necklace that looked like I wanted it to look. Went to Michael's, picked up some beads and some string, made maybe like three necklaces and just posted a little a quick photo on my personal Instagram and I had multiple girlfriends message me and coworkers saying like, Oh my gosh, I love that. Will you make me one? And it's less than $75. So yes, yes, please. Exactly. And so I, um, had such great feedback that the next day I opened an Etsy shop and then things just kind of like happened from there. It's wild because I was looking on Etsy the other day. I ordered actually this necklace, this little initial pottery necklace that I'm wearing from someone who makes pottery in Birmingham. And I was scrolling back because I thought, I can't remember the last time I used Etsy to buy something. And I bought something from you. Um, I mean, it's been a number of years now. And I was like, well, why would I do that? Because I don't think we lived that far apart and you worked at the same agency where I had been. I could have just popped by to meet a friend for lunch anyway. Like that was so silly, but here we are not needing Etsy at this point in your life because you are your own Etsy. So tell me what your goal is when you see something, what makes you decide? Yes, I want to sell this. Yes. I want to make this. Yes. I want to provide this for people. Do you have a style and aesthetic or just kind of a do you just want people to feel pretty? I mean, obviously there's no jewelry out there that is made to feel you, to make you feel less attractive, <laughs> but there's definitely some stuff that's, you know, more 
risky seems like the wrong word, but just a little bit more experimental or avant-garde than uh, maybe Gringle <laughs> would have room for, or at least this girl, because I'm just not a a woman who's going to, you know, try all the trends. I don't, by the time I hop on board, it's probably been uncool for like six months anyway. So there's no point in buying it, but what drives you? How do you select what you carry and what do you see does really well? Obviously like the neutrals always do well, basic pieces that people are wearing. And those are probably like what I would say were my bread and butter. Um, we're practical people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you buy something, you really want to wear it more than once. Yeah. Not to say, I mean, I definitely sell very like avant-garde earrings and there is a customer for that kind of earring too. Right. Uh, especially if you're considering like the cost of an earring versus the cost of an entire avant-garde outfit. Right. Uh, something, you know, a $35 pair of earrings is definitely a safer purchase. For sure. Um, but I really just, I feel like a lot of my purchases are based on like a gut feeling and I, I definitely follow trends. I mean, earlier today I was like scrolling through a picture and saw Meghan Markle was wearing these beautiful earrings and I was like zooming in, <laughs> trying to screenshot it, thinking like, I love this. I need to find something similar. Because She's this is such beautiful. a minimalist. Like I really, I really feel like it's hard for me to see her jewelry. Someone talked about her bracelet the other day and I was looking at the photograph like, am I hallucinating? I don't even see this bracelet. And it was the most, you know, she has the wrists of a toddler, a very, a very lean toddler. And that was this delicate gold chain with some teeny tiny little evil eye that was evidently sending a memo to the world that she had a hedge of protection around. I was like, guys, guaranteed 99% of the people who saw her in person didn't even see that bracelet. But Y'all go with your conjecture. I, I digress. Meghan Markle is, I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm a super fan. But I love that she inspires you. Um, I know that we have some more questions from the crowd. Um, before we kind of move ahead, I know that one thing I get a lot um, as a working mom and as a mom with a lot of commitments is being asked how I do it. Um, and I usually answer, I don't, because that's truthful. But I do think what fuels that question is guilt. The fear that we're all dropping something, forgetting something, letting someone or some expectation down. So I've heard you say that working moms deal with more than one kind of guilt. Um, what, what do you mean by that? What, do you, what guilt do you, does this business fuel for you? Or do you just carry as a mom of two little boys? Well, I feel like the stereotypical working mom has guilt that she is not spending time with her family. All day, she, every day. Yes, exactly. She's dropping her kids off at daycare and she doesn't, she's missing out on moments. So she's feeling guilty from that, which I have that kind of guilt. But then also the stay at home mom has the guilt of maybe she had a really rough day chasing around two toddlers and there's dust bunnies on the floor and her husband comes home and the whole house is a mess and she doesn't have dinner cooking and she feels like, well, I've been at home all day. This was my responsibility as the right. stay-at-home parent to, to have the household, you know, kept up to a certain degree and have us have something to eat. So I feel like I'm in this like weird limbo of having guilt on both of those aspects. Mm -hmm. I feel like every day I drop my kids off at preschool, I'm like, man, 
really wish I was taking them to the children's museum today, but I need to go and make our family money so we can pay our mortgage. Right. And then when T gets home after work and there's just like absolute chaos and he's like, what's for dinner? And I'm like, great question, babe. Your guess is as good <laughs> as mine. What's she going to make? Um, you know, I feel bad for that too. Cause I'm like, you know, technically I've been home for a lot longer than he has. So maybe I should have like swept the floor or something like that. So it's, it's definitely a challenge being the stay at home parent. And I feel, I think a lot of that too is I don't ever want to think that way because I'm the woman in the family. I'm, de- I definitely have very feminist views on that. I, I think that, you know, we should definitely carry equal responsibilities in our household. But I think as the parent that is the stay at home parent, there's definitely more household responsibilities that typically fall on their plate. I I miss the mark on a lot of that too. So it's just this weird limbo of not, of just feeling like I'm not excelling on either one of those accounts. I don't know anyone who would say, even if she just had the one, the home or the work, that she was excelling at it. I really don't. I mean, even if you were a full-time working mom with a nanny and a housekeeper and someone providing home-cooked meals to your family, you would still feel guilt about something. No one has the perfect situation. I've been a mom. I've been a full-time stay-at-home mom. I've been for many years now, someone who straddles that line. And especially when the work that you do is not bound to certain hours. And I'm thankful not to clock in and out. And because I get to do work that's fulfilling to me, it, it doesn't always stop. So I think it's probably very freeing for other women to hear someone say, yeah, this is not easy. It's worth it. It's not easy. Yeah. I mean, it's an absolute privilege that I get to do both. Like, sure, this is best case scenario for me, but it doesn't mean it's not hard. Um, I think that the best thing that I've been able to do to really help with this is just outsourcing. We have a housekeeper that comes twice a month, and that has taken a huge load off of my plate. We have someone that comes and mows our lawn and really, I mean, outsourcing with childcare as well. My children don't have to be in a preschool at this point, Um, but being able to to take them somewhere where they're like getting great social interaction and doing arts and crafts and learning things and that kind of stuff. So I feel like they're not just sitting at home with me. If I've got to work, I'm not putting them in front of a Disney movie while I can knock some emails out. They're getting stimulated. And then I'm also able to get some work done. So then when the school day is over, I can go into mom mode. So that has helped a lot. I think really just figuring out what tools and what means of outsourcing work best for your family are huge. Um, and it may change, you know, next year it may look a little bit different. But for right now, this is kind of what's working for us. I think we all have to be aware that we're not signing a contract for whatever it is that we're in. Very few of us. I'm sure someone listening to this has signed a contract. But, you know, I'm not Dabo Sweeney. We're we're figuring this out as we go. And even he has an out clause, a little bit larger than mine probably would be. But, you know, the other piece of it is you have a one-year-old and a three-year-old. So you're, in the scheme of things, relatively new. I have learned in my mere decade of parenting that every phase humbles me anew. Like, I get it down. I have nailed it. We are napping, we are working, everything is, and then someone's teething or someone hits a homework phase that is brand new or a friendship phase that is brand new. And I'm like, no, back up. I had this before. This is, this is one more new thing that I can 
have to learn to do well. And so that's the other piece is I think we put a lot of expectations on ourselves that, okay, I'm going to find the right balance. We're going to stay at that exact balance point forever. That is not how it works, which I'm sure is true for you, especially in the next little stretch of the year, because this last quarter has got to be the busiest time for retail. How many holiday seasons have you been in business and how does that time change relative to say like January, July, some other time of year? I think this will be my fifth, if I'm doing my math right, my fifth holiday season. And I mean, yes, you're right. The holidays are crazy. I feel like every every holiday season up until now, I have definitely overcommitted myself. This is also, okay, so actually I think I'm wrong. I think this is my fourth. Anyway, either fourth or fifth. This is also the first holiday season in four years that I haven't been pregnant, nursing, or with a newborn. It's going to be magic. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to that. I feel like if I could handle it at any time, it probably would be now. Um, But I mean, I do have two crazy toddlers, so I guess it's just crazy in a different way. Um, But I think I'm also like setting myself up this holiday season for a little bit more success, not overcommitting myself to as many trunk shows and holiday markets and that kind of thing. I think I just, I think a lot of time I, I try to say yes to everything. And I've realized as I've grown that I just have to say no for my own sanity. And um, thankfully, I feel like my website and traffic through my Instagram page has grown to a point enough where I don't have to rely as much on the holiday markets. But that's not to say that those were like an, an integral part of my success. I mean, right. I feel like that's how I got to know so many people in different markets around the state. And I'm so thankful for that. I just feel like this season of my life and the way my business has grown, it's not as necessary for me. Um, but I am like, I mean, October is crazy usually. And I'm just kind of bracing for impact because November is usually nuts. It's my biggest month of the whole bigger than December. Yes. Mm -hmm. Look at all of us planning ahead. Cause you know, that if we measured, and I love you, I love men. Let me just say, I love y'all. Let me just put that out. I, I love you guys. You're wonderful humans. But if we measured the things that only men buy, um, December would be probably December 21st to the afternoon of the 25th at a quick stop somewhere would be the busiest time. I have had Christmas gifts in my closet since the summer. Just because, A, it makes me feel less poor in December when I feel like I'm hemorrhaging. I want to still enjoy buying gifts and treats for every last teacher or speech therapist or front desk lady or mailman or you name it. But when I haven't started my Christmas shopping until December, I am, in my own mind, I'm a little bit of a Scrooge. And I don't truly feel the gratitude and thankfulness and excitement that comes from picking out a gift for every last human I've ever met. So I do try to spread it out, um, which makes it tricky because, because I forget what I've already bought. So, um, someone has like an Excel spreadsheet they want to lend me so I can start logging this stuff. That would be great. But I love that you're confirming this with data. Yeah. I mean, it's, and I think part of it is that the month of December is cut short. So I'm losing 
six days, basically, mm-hmm. in that month um, that people would be purchasing. So that, I think that hopefully not online as much. I mean, right? Like hopefully people aren't on Instagram the week of Christmas, even if. Yeah. Hopefully. They, we will. They might, we might all be hiding in our bedrooms and take a time I'll, out. Yeah. I'll get the occasional DM on the 24th of December like, I totally forgot to get a present for my sister-in-law. Can you just leave a Can necklace out? I don't even care what it is. Just leave it out on the porch and I'll Venmo you. And I try to keep a lot of inventory There's set aside for the emergencies. What about yeah. men? Do you ever get um, either men stumbling across your page or women saying, Hey, I'd like that. Here's the link. So according to Instagram's data, um, about 2% of my followers are are male. And that's fascinating to me, but it's also like the business side of me is like, why? Why am I not really trying to focus more on this male market? So that's actually something I'm kind of mulling over and figuring, figuring out how I can reach the male market more. I mean, they're not... They would not be repeat buyers as much as a maybe female. like an earring of the month for men. Tar- I mean, obviously not for men to wear, but sir, here's a one-time gift that is going to give you bonus points once a month. You don't have to pick them out because it's. I mean, again, we're this is mass generalization, and I don't want to be insulting. I'm sure there are plenty of gentlemen who have very strong opinions about what the women in their life wear, but you know, a lot don't and. So that could be a great option for you. Or, you know, the 2% who are only coming for holidays, whereas I'm here for a regular weekly rollout. Like, let's see what you got. <laughs> I'll know what I need when I see it, Laura. Exactly. Keep it coming. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, there, I've, that, it's definitely a gap in the market. and It's something I'm thinking about and thinking about how to best reach that gap. Um, and I think that that's just like a big part of how my business has kind of come to grow and find success is constantly reevaluating and figuring out, okay, where is this gap and how can we close it or make it smaller? And how can we reach some sect of followers that maybe aren't purchasing as much? I feel like I'm constantly reinventing myself and... Is that exhausting or does it fuel you? Yes. (laughs) Period. Full stop. Okay. Okay. Yes. Yeah. As with all things, it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Correct. Correct. Yeah. It's, I think it's definitely, I mean, what my business started at, I started making things, solely making things at my kitchen table, stringing beads on necklaces, only selling tassel necklaces that were 100% handmade by me. Now that is a far cry from where my business is currently. Which and is more of a curated collection exactly. of accessories. I'm, I'm, I've kind of gone away from being a maker and I'm now more of a retailer. My passion lies more in the business side of things. Although I am a creative person, I also love, I'm a salesman, salesperson at heart. There's a creativity to the business side of it for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think it, I think it's a direct result of my upbringing. My sisters are all the same way. All three of us, I'm one of three girls. All three of us are creative, but also in somewhat of a sales capacity as well. My mother is such a creative person. She's a seamstress. She always motivated us to be more creative. She enrolled us in creative art camps in the summertime. We had a fully stocked art pantry at all times. We did art every single day. So she did a phenomenal job doing that. And my 
dad is an amazing salesman. And so I think that we grew up seeing both sides of, of this spectrum and kind of all became a mashup of, of both of these great qualities of our parents. And it's really interesting to see how all three of us are now in a creative industry that is also related to sales. So, so you have one sister who is a legitimate artist yes. in New York City. Yes, like our kids will probably be reading about her in their art history. Right. Like there will be collections. Yes, of she is her work insanely talented. So she got the majority of the art genes. Um, so and then my oldest sister, April, and I are very creative. I'm probably the least artistic out of all three of us, but we are all very creative. And, um, and we are more, I think we have more of that sales in us as well. So, and we should say that this is April Robeson, who I interviewed previously on the podcast and is making bows. She's making, does she still make bonnets? My mom makes the bonnets. My mom makes the bonnets. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So this is just a tremendous family endeavor. Yes. April makes the bows and is just kind of a creative. A, a mom like yours who raised three girls who got creativity well beyond their fair share. And then also salesmanship. Um, and then also, I don't know your art sister, your capital A artist sister in New York, but I do know enough about you in April to know that you must have inherited some genetic predisposition towards being thrifty and smart with your money. One of my favorite things that the both of you do is talk about meals that are affordable and also don't take 17 hours. Um, And also someone will eat who's under the age of five because that's the third key leg of a winning supper recipe around here. So I would love to hear, it was a question that I know you got on Instagram about being budget conscious and even in your family debt free as a business person, as a family did you inherit that? Where did that mindset come from? And how did that work as you make this really big leap into starting a new business that typically only costs money? I think that it's a kind of a mix of my upbringing and education post-college, really into marriage, um, that my husband and I got together. So both my parents were, were great with with managing their money and I think that they were also really transparent with us about it too which I think helped a lot. So tell me what you mean by that. Were they saying I spent this many dollars at the grocery store or were they speaking more generally? More generally. Like we're going to I remember that there was one time where we all wanted a snack. I think maybe even a meal. We were in my mom's car. And this is back when you would get like the coupons in your report card. Yes. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. And so my mom was like, hey, I have a fun idea. Let's pull out all the coupons that I have in our in the side pocket of my car from your report cards. And let's see if we can go around to like every single <laughs> like a smorgasbord. Yes, every <laughs> single fast food restaurant and get whatever free item they're offering and we're going to make lunch out of that. Uh, that sounds amazing. Can we eat it on the floor of the picnic blanket <laughs> and presumably like, make it a party? I think we ate it in the back of the minivan. So, you know, Same close enough. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's just we were kind of 
raised in that environment. And you remember it, by the way, because it was fun. Yes, exactly. I think my mom grew up in a family where that was also very thrifty. And I think that that's the, the environment she knew. And so she kind of passed that down to us and made it fun. It was never... You know, I feel like she did a really good job of just making it a fun activity to see what we could get for zero dollars. And that made, she probably didn't realize it at the time, but that just made such a lasting impact on all three of us girls. And she also really, and both my parents really um, encouraged us to save money. And anytime we got like money from grandma, she was always the one who was like, all right, let's take half of that and put it in your savings account. So she definitely helped with all of that. That is not all of that to say, I have definitely made my fair share of bad financial decisions. Mm -hmm. I'm not here saying that I've always been like this amazing saver and don't spend any money. I am just as guilty of trying to keep up with the Joneses as the rest of them. It's so easy to do, especially when you're on social media as much as your job requires you to be. Exactly. And I think it's really hard when you're in your early 20s and you think that everyone's buying this and doing this. And so you have to, too. And when your friends come out making a salary that might be three times what you're making, their lifestyle... Advertising is... Yes. <laughs> Mad Men gave a distorted view of what actual advertising salaries yes, yes. look like. I worked in advertising um, my first, like I guess, quote-unquote, real job out of college. And yeah, being in an overhead position, working in an advertising agency... My my salary was nothing. It's not where you make the big bucks, correct? Um, but it, I mean, it was really hard. Like graduating with girlfriends who were engineers and doctors and PAs, and and we're happy you know, for you. Oh, thrilled! But yeah, it was just yeah, definitely a challenging time. Realizing, okay, I can't just go out and blow money like they did. And I think let I learned, me find out where the nearest Aldi is. Exactly, I learned that a little bit the hard way. And um, so my husband and I got married few years out of college. I think it was in 2012. Yeah. And um, by the time we were celebrating our first year anniversary, we were looking at back at our finances and we're like, this is a mess. I mean, we have student debt. We have two car loans. We have consumer debt. And we're wanting to buy a house and no one's going to give us a mortgage with our finances being in the mess that they're in. And our salary is not being like, you know, in no one's, no one's range. a brain surgeon. Yeah. 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 So we decided to take a little back step and look at everything and think, okay, what are we going to do? And we decided to take a Dave Ramsey course. I think that there are multiple plans that people can use that are amazing and effective. I think that the biggest key takeaway is just to kind of like, pick any plan and stick with it. It's just like exercise. Find what doesn't make you hate it. Yeah. And do that thing. Yeah. And so we loved the course that we took. I think it was like maybe a six week course and it really just gave us some tools and like a method to get rid of our debt and continue a life that was more financially smart. And this sounds crazy, but one of the things that most couples fight about is money. And we fought a lot about money before we took this course. Then after, I mean, I can probably count on one hand the amount of times we've had arguments about money. Not to say we haven't argued about other things. There's but, so many things to argue but, about, Laura. Yeah, but <laughs> money is not one of it. Yeah. One, 
not you're on the same page yeah because anytime we have a disagreement we can kind of just revert back to the plan and it's worked so far so um and i've really carried that into my business as well so just it took us several years i guess six years to totally pay off all of our student debt car loans and consumer debt and um and some of that time you were self-employed yes yeah, so that for about two years of that, three years of that, I was self-employed. So um, that was, you know, something I never thought would be possible yeah. when I started this business. But um, it really allowed me the ability to to do that. To put, I guess in this industry, like I can kind of the more effort I'm putting into something, the more I'm reaping from it, and so. I could work a few more nights or work an event on a weekend that I typically would have said no to, make a few, a little extra money, and then be able to pay off some debt like that. So we've carried that kind of method over to how we run the business as well. And so it's a debt-free business, and um, I'm so happy to say that, but it's also... it's also kind of inhibited me a little bit. It slowed me down. I couldn't just go and put $10,000 worth of inventory on a credit card and then right. reap the benefits from that and then pay off the credit card. I'm, I feel like I'm having to go a little bit more slowly with my growth, but I think that's also a safer way to grow as a company too, because sure. especially as a family. Yes, exactly. So how kind of knowing that you're wanting to minimize risk that way financially, how did you and your husband reach the decision? Okay, now it's time to leave my not seven figure advertising job and put all our cards. I'm not great at poker or any other card related metaphors, but put, put all of our chips on this jewelry thing. How did you decide? Did you wait till you made a comparable amount? Did you wait till that was a reasonable guess for the future? What did that look like knowing you were trying to pay debt off? Thankfully at the time he had a very stable position with amazing benefits so that was the benefits side of it was benefits or everything. Yes. Especially because we were at the point where we were going to want to start trying to have a child. So I had to have good benefits. So you left not having had children yet. Uh, actually I left when I was like maybe three months pregnant. With oh, Thompson. that's wild. Mm-hmm. Well then yeah. benefits really were a big old deal. Yes, for sure. So that thankfully his job had great benefits and, um, and that was not a concern, but it kind of actually dates back to about a year before I left my job. I was able to, just through Instagram, I met up with a girl who lived in Greenville, who ran a business that was kind of all about promoting other businesses in Greenville. And she acted as, like, acted as a mentor to me and really helped me get my business off the ground. And I don't know if I would be sitting here talking to you about this if it wasn't for her, which is pretty crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. And, um, she's still doing that. No, she's not. And we unfortunately have lost touch. She still lives in Greenville and, um, she's like, I think killing it in the commercial real estate business. Good for her. She's one of those. She's a connector, a people person. And kind of has like the Midas touch, I think too. I think just, just anything that she gets her hands into is going to work. That sounds great. Yeah. How do I get some of that? I know. I know. She should be on this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I remember sitting down with her one day for lunch and she was like, 
what's your ultimate goal? And I said, I want to leave my job. I really, we want to have a family and I want to be, be able to stay at home with my have children. Have that flexibility. Yeah. yeah. And she was like, all right, well, let's get you there. And she helped me. How great to have like a cheerleader and I know. a teammate. That's awesome. I know. It was truly like amazing. And so she helped me to make contacts, to go to different shows. She helped me make stuff. She was a great sounding board for different ideas that I had. And so that that was a big step in what it took for me to leave my nine to five. Um, but mainly I just, my goal was to match my salary. And so once I was able to do that, then I felt more comfortable leaving. and Which is the upside to making like $2 an hour. And I don't know what you made. I'm just going off of what I made in advertising, um, which was roughly $2 an hour, rounded up uh, before taxes. Um, the upside to not making a whole ton is that it doesn't take a whole ton to get you in a new venture. Exactly. It did not take much. Finally, I met my number and I was like, all right, let's get out of here. And at that point, I was three months pregnant with Thompson. So I was just starting to tell people and it was great. I was able to leave and like spend that time at home, like Mm. napping. And do you look back at that time and think, girl, I hope you're soaking this up because (laughs) that quiet house that stays clean when you clean. I mean, that's a, I remember people asking me because I didn't leave um, my full-time job until I had been back from maternity leave about six weeks so, um, during my pregnancy, clients would ask, well, when are you going to leave? And I would say, I mean, when I have the baby, like, is there another, are you offering me another option? Is there an option to just take six months off? Cause I would, would opt into that big time, but alas, that's not the way that the world works, sadly. So how cool that you were able to make that opportunity for yourself. Yeah. It, now I can look back and be like, Man, that was nice. I don't think I realized how good I had it. Were you scared? I mean, was there ever a moment where you thought, oh, another 401k would be great? Double insurance never hurt anybody. Yes, I was scared, but I also knew that I'm a really hard worker and I'm not afraid of working any job. And if this doesn't pan out, then I'll just go find another job. And, and it may not be my dream job, right. but I'm not afraid to work and it's I'm gonna not, be fine. yeah, we're just going to make it work and I'm going to hustle and hopefully this is going to work. And if it doesn't, then we'll figure it out from there. But, um, but I, I definitely, I was, I was a little bit scared, but thankfully T is definitely more of the risk taker and the dreamer in the family. And he was the one that was kind of like, egging me on. What about? Yeah. It's, I would say those two sentences that you just used to describe that time probably summarize a lot of your success, which are, I'm going to hustle and we'll figure it out. If it's the photography, if it's the literal stringing of beads onto thread, I'm going to figure it out. And by the way, I forgot to tell you when we discussed these overpriced boutique tassel necklaces earlier, that I bought one such overpriced boutique tassel necklace and came home and Bradley said, straight faced, super sincere, trying his best to be complimentary. Oh, did Mac make that for you at school? <laughs> oh no. Um, no, he didn't. <laughs> this is not macaroni. <laughs> That's right. 
he was he does not quite have the manual dexterity to make that happen but i now have a window into how you view these accessories and i'm questioning the sticker so um jokes on me and there you have that my face is warm even talking about it because i remember just feeling so crestfallen like this is the cool all of the cool kids have this what do you mean it looks like my two-year-old made it Oh, heartbreak. Alas, I will never get that money back. Um, and it's okay. We live and learn. We make, we all make bad financial decisions. Bradley's going to listen to this and be like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and Mac at this point in the fourth grade probably could make me something that would be better than that, <laughs> given the right tools. So you've gotten to a point where your business has grown and shifted, truly pivoted to be something different than you envisioned it when you made that big leap. Your life, undoubtedly, because you were carrying a baby the size of a butter bean when you made that jump, is very different. I mean, you can read all the books you want, but having a baby, bringing it home, and what comes next, no one... I mean, every kid's different. Every mom's different. And so every circus, which is what it will be, it will be a circus to some degree or another. Every circus is going to be a little different. So what do you think would surprise napping Laura, who's three months pregnant and in a quiet, clean house, the most about what your life looks like today, about the changes in your business and your two boys not snorting beads for reasons no other little boys understand? Well, the fact alone that I had two boys would have, like, my jaw would have hit the floor. I was, I always envisioned that I'd have three girls. And well, I wouldn't. I mean, that was your whole world growing yes, up. That's all I knew. And ever since T and I started talking about having children, he would always say, like, you say that, you're going to, we're going to have <laughs> three boys. And we're two thirds of the way there. So, is he um, one of only boys? No, he has three sisters. So really? we were both convinced. We were like, oh, we're having girls. This so is just both of your are. dads were probably like, is this what it is like to hold a male baby? Well, this is it's so yeah, strange. Exactly. Yeah. It's been a, and my, uh, my mother, I think learned something new every day with my two sons because. Were you given a just, PPTP? No. I, thankfully I had another mom who was like, just throw a washcloth oh, on the love. it. The PPTP was perhaps the catchiest name and the most disappointing baby product Agreed. I received. Agreed. A washcloth will do just fine. Or it could do just quicken yeah. your pace. Yeah. Just hurry it on up. Put the diaper under. And <laughs> Absolutely. Flap, yeah. Pull that flap right up. Yeah. Make it happen. Yeah. Um, so you, your big surprise would be two boys. Yes. On the family front, biggest surprise having two boys versus the three girls I always thought I would have. And, um, and were these three girls like quietly in the corner oh, reading Anne of Green Gables to one another? Doing art projects right. all the time. Neatly. Yes. And then cleaning up after themselves. Yes. If you're so. dreaming, you might as well dream big. <laughs> but I love, I mean, I, I totally love being a boy mom and now I couldn't imagine anything else. So that's just, that's been such like a surprise that I never, ever thought what my life would bring. Um, and then also just from a business perspective, I, I never in my wildest dreams thought that this would like help support our family. I right. always thought it was a, a really fun side hustle and a way for me. A cute little hobby. Yeah. A way for me to be creative and, and that's all it would be. And, and now it's like, it's a full fledged business and it still shocks me every day that it is. And I think a lot of it, I think I was in the right place at the right time. I think I got into running an Instagram business 
early enough to mm-hmm. where there wasn't a lot of competition out there. But I also think I've worked my tail off. And I think it's a culmination of both of those things. And I think so, you listen. I mean, really, I've heard you talk about what you do before and why you're incorporating this rollout or this piece or that piece. And I can tell that you really pay attention to what people are buying and saying and wanting. And that's everything. I mean, it really, if you handpick two or three things and nobody loves them but you, you're not going to go that far. So I think you must have your finger on the pulse of the tribe of people who follow you. And that says something. Yeah, I think I've gotten really lucky with like just a great community of followers that people mm-hmm. who are very vocal about when I'm doing something right, they let me know. When they think that there's room for change, they let me know. And I love that. I love that I can listen to all of these people. And, and, and do they say it politely at least? Usually. <laughs> it's really hard to tell inflection from yes. a DM. I will give give you that. Tone like, can be lost in, in text. Yes. I get that. Yes. And when people send me DMs with no punctuation, mm. I never really know how to take things. But, um, but yeah, it's, that, it's that's hard to read. FYI guys. <laughs> just, just could a, you, you don't even have to cap. I mean, I, I'm an, obviously I think type text do all the things that way, but could you at least give me a bit of punctuation? Yeah. A dash. It's way, it is way easier to read something when there's some punctuation. But, um, I mean, for the most part, everything is very positive. And even the, the constructive criticism I take as a positive because it helps me to change things. And, and yeah. I would say the only constructive criticism I've ever had for any jewelry retailer has been, I'm five foot nine and roughly like five foot seven inches of that is torso. I'm all torso. And you would think that only matters to clothing retailers, but necklaces that are, you know, cute, it's not stackable. You could layer your necklaces. They are chokers on me. These necklaces that are hitting y'all below your rib cage are up in my airway. I'm, I'm struggling to breathe, and then I get like an allergic reaction on my neck because I'm clutching and pulling it off. So in the same way that retailers have to make a tall size, could you make a freakishly long torso necklace for your friend Anne because she wants to buy your necklaces but oh my gosh it's like the 90s is happening right here on my neck all over again if you could get a velvet choker I could relive middle school (laughs) I don't want to pay for that so please please don't stuck but I mean there are plenty also why necklaces please never bring those back you may be too young to remember those but that was a thing it was like Kind of not a choker, but it was short, and then it had like a just a single oh, like thing. a lariat, and they kind called of thing. it yes. Lariat is a far more stylish and worldly name. They were called wine necklaces because I think Rachel wore one on Friends, and then we all got it because we thought it was super cool. I'm all for the '90s trends coming back, but I don't. I will never carry those like stretchy tattoo looking chokers. Yes. Oh, I love that. I will draw the line. I definitely wore one on my ankle. And it looked like a tattoo. My dad was like, that's a that's a no, ma'am. Mm-mm. Take that nonsense off of, from right above my clunky sandal. Oh, like yeah. Those really the chunky. Steve Madden, black, chunky. Thwop, thwop, thwop right down the hall. Mm-hmm. My dad was probably picking his battles with that. Like, I can hear you coming, but could you take off the tattoo? So, yes. I think a choker, a lariat, and those stretchy band necklaces. And then what was another? I'm trying to think. Because the 90s for me has also since... So there are a few like CK1. Elizabeth Arden had a perfume called Sunflowers 
that this girl in my French class must have bathed in. We were big, and this may have been early 2000s, but Clinique Happy. Oh gosh, yes. Will like take me back. It's a, and now there are like 75 versions of Happy, mm-hmm. and I smell it every time I walk through Belk. Uh, get a low grade migraine. Gap for a moment had some scent, and I think there was Dream and Heaven. It was very musky. I remember, I remember. And I remember telling my dad, This is Heaven. And he was like, No, this is atrocious. This is not, I reject it. <laughs> this is not, in fact, Heaven. This is terrible. And my parents not going into stores like Abercrombie oh, and Gap yeah. because they intentionally pumped horrendous fragrances into the airways. Yeah. The Abercrombie one will like still And it was so dark in there. Why was it so dark? My mom was like, no one is paying $9,000 for those jeans. So if you want to go look, that's fine. But I'm going to stay here so that I don't have to go bathe after I leave this mall. Um, So if you know, ever add fragrances to your line, if you could just keep those in mind, veer away from them. I see CK1 and TJ Maxx every time I set foot there, probably because no one, probably the only people buying it are the same 22 year olds wearing mom jeans unironically. I'm trying that trend. (laughs) Well, you should. You were built like a 22 year old. (laughs) I, however, feel like my mom on the sideline of my brother's soccer games in the 90s, the stonewashed. And they were also tapered leg, but they puffed out at the hips. Oh, yeah. And they had, like, double pleats. Why? The, yeah, why I remember telling my mom, who was this size of a toothpick, Mom, why would anyone want extra volume on your belly and hips and tapered at your ankles? Explain this to me. I know. I know. If you can't pull it off, Mom, no one can. And I think that was probably very hurtful, but that's what you won't hear coming from your son, exactly. by the way. And I'm all about a modified mom jean. Yes. I want the look, no but one needs a, pleat. a little modernized. They don't yeah. even sell pleats anymore. Everyone knows we're, we're well beyond it. But I have seen plenty of mom jeans that pretend to be modest, so they're like up to your navel. But, I mean, have you been to a game this year? Everyone under the age of 25, we're modest to the hip bones. And then, you know, there is a lot of... Under cheek luggage happening. Yes, there's a whole which you got legs for days, so good for you. But what is the point of a crop top with like two inches of abdomen, but it's not your belly button? <laughs> but then also, so, um, I have a lot of questions, and they're probably it's, like, Lady, ma'am, are it, you done on campus? Because we're we really need our playground back. It really throws their proportions off. I think they'll look back on these days and regret it, just like oh, I regret, regret a lot. It. I did wear. To a bar on my 21st birthday. No, no, she didn't miss a slappy. (laughs) 21st birthday. (laughs) I was legal. Trouser jeans and a cardigan. Yeah. Oh, I wore the fool out of a cardigan. You've never met a J. Crew Jackie cardigan that I did not buy. I dressed like a teacher, a Mm -hmm. first grade teacher. It was cool. to all my first grade teacher friends. It was cool for sure. But that's not really appropriate. I also wore some Ann Taylor trousers. I mean, like actual pants now there were plenty of express going out pants which i think april and i discussed going out pants aren't really a thing that exists anymore <laughs> i remember being like is she out in jeans is she wearing jeans on a friday night now people would be like are you wearing black pants did you just come from a funeral <laughs> what's happening what's going on so many differences that only serve to reinforce the fact that staying home on a Friday night and scrolling through Instagram to determine what I need to give people for Christmas presents in like 17 months is my best life. It's living my truth. Well, and to bring the 90s trend back to jewelry, 
it's coming back in jewelry too. Like there, there were earrings that I sold a few weeks ago that looked. Were they the gold like shell flourish things? Yes. My fans. mom had them. I think my mom still has yes. hers. And the minute I saw them, I was, I was like, like, mom, I need these in the shop because they're fabulous. They, they really are. Straight out of 1992. And I love it. Yes. But so, we didn't wear gold when I was in college. It was all silver mm-hmm. and all white gold. Like if you had worn yellow gold, it would have looked like you'd robbed your mom's jewelry mm-hmm. box. And now you're robbing your mom's closet and jewelry box. And she's like, who's laughing now, girls? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, I think those those 90s trends are coming back and I can manage it in tiny one-inch amounts on each earlobe. I'm not at the mom jean place yet. But again, I won't hop on that trend until it's no longer cool. So call me in like two years and we will see what's going on. At this point, um, I'm mostly, I'm probably seven years away from buying pajama jeans like you see on late night television or the front section of Bed Bath & Beyond. So I just want to just want to put it out there. I don't know what Heather McMahon would wear, what kind of jeans she would put. She she will do a Spanx jean, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but I, I feel like maybe it could be like one third of school as her. I'm good with that. <laughs> I don't see her in a mom jean. But well, is there anything that you feel like the people need to know? The one thing that, that we, we need to didn't talk about yeah. was um, really like advice for someone. Mm. Who might have an idea. Entrepreneurial folks. Yeah, and thinks that they want to start a business and just doesn't even know where to start. I feel like a lot It can be overwhelming. Yeah, totally overwhelming. And I think now, if I was getting into it, I would be paralyzed from the amount of overwhelm. And even this discussion wherein I'm describing all of the things you've had to learn to do and all of the iterations your business has had would probably add to that. So I would say first thing, take a breath and don't panic. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think the reason why it worked well for me is because I started so simply and mm-hmm. so small and was able to build on from that. I mean, when I started, I hope the IRS doesn't come after me for saying this, but the IRS is a significant portion of our audience. <laughs> we I didn't have an LLC. I didn't know how to report sales tax. I didn't know how to report things on income tax. I didn't have Taxes an FEIN. Yeah. Everything was so new to me. And it was okay because in my first two months, I probably made two sales. And right. so I was able to kind of like just adopt different things as I was growing and changing. The gift things. of starting slow. Yes. And so I, I definitely encourage people, if you have an idea, don't get bogged down by the overall details of everything. I feel like if you start thinking about all the details, it becomes so much that it it is paralyzing. And so I think that my ignorance was really a blessing in disguise because I didn't even know any of these things existed. You don't that know point. what you don't know. Exactly. It's better. And so and and so I feel like people if people ask me, that's always what I say is just start it and figure it out as you go. Obviously, like go through a lawyer if you can to make sure you're legal in some aspects. Like usually, depending on what state and industry you're in, you need an LLC and an FEIN. So then you can report your earnings to the IRS. Yes, tax ID and ID number. Um, Other than that, at least for what I'm doing, you don't need anything else. And then if you need a business license or a retail license, 
you just get one. Right. So don't and get... And by the way, I like to, to think about it, I mean, not to insult business owners, but I remember when I was pregnant with my first, I would tell myself, Jamie Lynn Spears has done this at 16. <laughs> Britney Spears has done this twice. Dumb people, not that they're dumb, the Spears sisters are sharp as anyone else, but dumb people do all kinds of things all the time. So if if a retail license was that hard to get, you wouldn't see crazies running stores the world over. Just take it one step at a time and remember, you are definitely not the least intelligent person who's ever tried to do whatever it is you're doing. Exactly. Exactly. Just try it and you're going to find failure and then that's you adapt to that and that's what makes you whatever you're doing even better. And so just really like, don't be afraid to do it. Rip the bandaid off and just start it and then adapt as you see needs coming. And, and I think that that's just the biggest takeaway. I think a lot of people really just get bogged down with the overall view of a business and, and don't want to start it after they start looking into all these details. So. Pieces and parts. Mm-hmm. So, how in the world of Instagram where followers are everything, how do you stay humble enough to start with, you know, your 22 good friends who are going to follow you out of solidarity? How, how do you start when you see people who are at, you know, six figures of followers and thriving and you think, man, is it going to look ridiculous when I have 17 people on my first post? What are your thoughts there? I think that's when content is huge because for me, the first, if I'm looking at a different brand, the first thing I look at is their number of followers to see how established they are. And then the second thing I look at is their feed and the overall look of the feed. And I know a lot of people have different views on like the grid, the top nine and all that. Yeah. The grid and, and yes, you shouldn't put too much weight into that but that's also what a lot of people that's the maybe the first maybe the second maybe the third thing that they're looking at when they are assessing you and that's all they have to see for your business so really work on if you don't have a lot of followers that's fine but really just work on building as much beautiful content that accurately displays what you're doing or what you're selling so that people can get a very quick and accurate and beautiful idea of what you're doing. And then that's what's going to want, want, that's what's going to make them want to engage with you more. It's some visual credibility. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and really all I can speak for is e-commerce and that's really all I know at this point, but, um, but that's all you have. All you have is pictures and videos and really staying consistent with posting not being afraid to put yourself out there people want to follow a person and your story and don't be afraid to show your face i mean things i bought and liked i'm sure we all follow them she's never showed her face and i give her mad props for that she made it work but a lot of times people have a hard time engaging with someone if they don't know more about that specific person. So don't be afraid to show your face. Don't be afraid to get on stories, build beautiful content and the followers will come. And how long did it take you to start getting into the four digits, you know, to start getting out of where every follower was someone you kind of knew in real life? Um, well, let's see. I, so before doing this, I had a blog and I had a teeny tiny little baby audience from that that were strangers. And so that kind of helped 
build it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, really just partnering with other people who might have larger followings for me for giveaways has helped and engaging with other people um, through commenting on other through just being a human who uses social media the way we do yeah and I, I think a lot of it too is really just continuing to stay consistent I think a lot I think a lot of times my Profile will show up because I am posting a lot and geotagging where I am. So that helps. I'm using hashtags, which is not as helpful as it used to be, unfortunately. But sometimes hashtags do work in, help, in, in helping getting your account noticed. And also just not being afraid to do, to put a little bit of investment in it. I haven't found as much luck with sponsored posts, but I've done a lot more like targeted giveaways where I know what my audience might like. And so I'm giving them something, some kind of prize for in return for commenting or tagging a friend or following me. And that really helps to get more people who will actually be interested in your product to follow you. Mm -hmm. I think that these targeted giveaways are the best way to do it. And people don't have to participate if they don't like to do a giveaway, then they don't have to. But if you want to tell me what your favorite Starbucks drink is and tag your girlfriend who likes Starbucks too, you might be entered to win $40 in shop credit. And it's just kind of a way of me being able to give back, but also kind of gain some engagement on my page, which makes it more visible to other Mm -hmm. people. I feel like it's a great way for me to engage with people. I'm actually really loving this challenge that I'm in. I do like a weekly giveaway right now where I'm prompting people and asking them, like I said, what's your favorite Starbucks drink? What's your favorite fall activity? What's your favorite item to buy at Costco? And I'm loving it because I'm getting some great information from yeah. people. I pay favorite $40. podcasts. Yes. Favorite I podcasts. I love that one. I pay $40 just to have all this information anyway. So as we approach the holiday season, we should know that if we see your sweet little face on Instagram, you're probably a little more tired than usual and getting a little bit less sleep playing Santa to so many folks. Where can people find you on the interwebs if they're not Instagrammers and if they are? And um, what is your one piece of advice to us for surviving all of the just inundation of ads and sales and nonsense that we were going to get before the holidays. Okay. So you can find me on Instagram at Laura Cox collection or on the interwebs at lauracoxcollection.com. And my one piece of advice is make a list. I have a list running. I started the December of the year before. So man, you're ahead of me. Yeah. Look at I think the best things come about when people are opening gifts one year and then they're like, oh man, I love what she got. Oh, and that's then I'm genius. like in the corner. Oh, Laura, in my that's phone, amazing. Writing down ideas. You evil genius. So, that's so crafty. So I get great ideas from the year before, obviously. And now your sisters are on to you because they're going to hear yes. this. Yes, now they know my antics. <laughs> um, it's obviously too late for that, but you could start that for Christmas of 2020. Um, but yeah, having a list, sticking to it. Yeah. And, you know, it it is exhausting getting inundated with all the ads and it's just pounded over the head with things to buy. And so just don't go crazy. Yeah. Know who you're actually buying yeah. for and what you need. Or just don't. Sometimes it's okay to just scroll Instagram and shop from your phone and never leave the house and go to an actual store, mm-hmm. which is my MO. 
But we can get to that in another episode. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming and Godspeed and good luck to you in the months ahead. Thank you. It's going to be a crazy few months. If you reach like a milestone number of followers, will you put on an elf suit for Christmas? Because I think you would be the most adorable like elf-like little person. <laughs> you just seem like such a little sprightly human, but it just struck me. All right. Just food for thought. I'll do it. If I get to 10,000 followers, okay. honestly, by the end of 2000. 2000- 19. What year is it even? Okay. 2008. You heard it here first. I can't believe I'm signing up for this. It just seems. Now, we probably won't be able to locate an elf costume, but I feel like we could whip something up. Maybe from Gap Kids. (laughs) We could get your pocket-sized little self into that. Hannah Anderson, I'm sure, does something. Oh, my goodness. Yes. They have it in adult sizes, too, for the rest of us. You heard it here first, folks. Laura, you are so much fun. And I'm uh, pumped to see that elf scene. So get ready. (laughs) Follow me. Let's do this thing. (laughs) That's it for today's But Not All at Once. Thanks so much for joining us, y'all. I hope you'll subscribe because we have a lot to talk about this season, and I don't want you to miss a single story. If you love what we're doing, would you consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts? It would mean the world. Like more than a porch drop of a large Chick-fil-A sweet tea with pellet ice. It's a big deal. Come join the conversation at But Not All at Once on Instagram or email me directly at But Not All at Once at gmail.com. As always, I'm Ann Smith and I'll see you right here next week. Bye, guys.